Hello and welcome to our uh, next episode of Unusual Dialogues. Today, uh, my interviewee is Chloe. Uh, hello, Chloe. Hi. So, first and foremost, before we kick off and start talking about all those things we want to talk about, could you just uh, introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah. Hi, I'm Chloe. I'm currently studying for my PhD in psychology in Aberystwyth. My main areas are evolutionary psychology, so I basically look at how the mind's evolved. I have a special interest in dating at the moment, virtual dating. Yeah, so I think, you know, uh, that's exactly why I actually got you here. Uh, it's quite a quite an interesting topic, especially considering that this is the new normal, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> especially yeah. due to the pandemic. Yeah, I've seen the new article. So first and foremost, I just wanted to, to maybe ask... Um, you know, how do you perceive, how far can we go with virtual dating to make up for the virtuality of it? Well, I don't think you'll ever be able to completely make up for real dating. There's just something about being face-to-face with the person that you just can't, you can't fake. But virtual dating does come quite close. Like, you can have virtual, like, video calls, you can play games together. There's even like websites where you can go on like walks together you can you can do all sorts of other like since the pandemic everyone got so creative with their virtual dates yeah <laughs> i i've not heard about the virtual walks yet <laughs> but i've seen today that facebook is inviting me to start uh, dating people on facebook uh, <laughs> i don't know if you know anything about that <laughs> yeah i think everyone's trying to get in on the uh, dating website dating app thing now i see it's just uh in fashion okay so first and foremost really um what is the uh do you have any sort of statistics uh, when it comes to dating online in comparison to the years before i wonder it's like i bet it's really high yeah so i just did my i researched i'm basically writing an article for a paper and i asked people if they'd ever done virtual dating before I, like, as in before the pandemic hit, and about 50% of people said they've never done it at all. And I asked about 250 people, so it's quite a lot that I've never done it. And then I asked them then, would they carry on? And about over half, so 52%, said they'd actually carry on using virtual dating even when restrictions are lifted and they can actually still date in person. I see. Okay. Um, I wonder to what extent is this, um, you know dating online and um, taking away a bit of that um, and I don't know this might be a bit of a deep psychological question that uh, I don't know if we can answer here but my favorite kind would... <laughs> <laughs> okay I'll, I'll shoot then I wonder to what extent can we um, are we still using the same sort of parts of our behavior when we're making up our image online even on on the video call you know you can only see so much of me right now and I can see myself at the same time so I'm much more self-conscious of how do I look yeah definitely normally yeah because um there's a lot of research now about zoom fatigue about people who are working online they're feeling a lot more tired from doing it and their levels of self-consciousness are going up because they're always seeing each other like you see yourself in the screen all the time talking and seeing things when usually when you're working and looking at a screen 
you wouldn't have to look at yourself so often. So people are realising what they look like a lot more, making people a bit more self-conscious. Yeah, and it's a twisted image, isn't it, as well? Because it's like, it's mirror. It's not even, um, it's not necessarily how you can see me right now. <laughs> and it's not always but at the best myself. angle. Sometimes the webcam's not at a great angle, so you look, your face doesn't look exactly how someone would look at you if you were face-to-face. I see, yeah, yeah. Okay, and, and what about that, um, maybe maybe this is a big question, but what about this uh, behaviours and getting to know one another through the lens of online dating? So, for example, talking with Meg um, a week ago, uh, we talked about this idea of selling yourself and how does that actually affect how we are um, then acting in that potential relationship? I think, yeah, because when you're on a date anyway, even if it's in face-to-face, you are trying to sell yourself the whole time anyway. And I think the virtual dating is kind of similar, but you can hide a lot more, I think, so you don't even have to get fully dressed. If you're on a video call or something, you could still be in your pyjama bottoms but have your hair and makeup done. So you can kind of hide a lot more and still show off at the same time, which is a bit different. Okay, and would you... um... Would you rather invite people to try and if if they already are interested or trying virtual dating, would you rather tell them that uh, they should try first video calls or maybe phone calls or maybe just messages? What's the what are the steps and which ones seem to be the the most um, maybe efficient or safe ones to choose? I definitely recommend video call if you do feel safe, obviously not a video call with a stranger completely because who knows who could be the other end but if you've been chatting to someone for a while I would recommend a video call day over a phone call or texting especially because when you get to see someone's facial expressions because so much of communication is non-verbal that people don't even realize that just their facial expression how they use their hands when they're talking how they're sitting their attitude the whole thing can influence you could say the same thing over text and say it in person or in a video call and it'll have so many different meanings it all depends how it gets interpreted i see yeah i've i've read somewhere that uh, actually there is no um sort of underlying emotional um baggage when you're texting that actually only over the phone or actually seeing the person you have this additional emotional side to it it's it's much easier maybe in that regard to uh, grow apart from one another if you only text without this uh, moments of calling yeah you can get uh, to know someone a bit better in when you have an actual conversation because when you're talking to someone over text you could have a couple hours gap in between each message or you might not want to talk about deeper subjects which could let you get to know someone a lot closer and what would be the uh, first thing that uh, I don't know if it was a part of any of, of your studies, but is there is there a certain um, aspect that um, people tend to lean towards at the beginning to talk about? Um, is there a certain topic that um, comes up as this initial? What? How? How do we get to know apart from my name? What? What would be the first question? You know. I've never actually asked people what they talk about on a date. I think I might have to do that next. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, because this is another part of our conversation with Meg. We were 
just thinking what would be the question you would like to hear or ask someone um, especially in this world that is so dominated by the idea of job being the description you know sort of oh what do you do uh, and I bet that has some Meg was drawing some really big conclusions of it sort of like we're trying to make a reason for our existence by stating what do we work at um, and I probably to some extent it is like that we're trying to prove to the other person that we are of value um, which is which is interesting okay so when it comes to this uh, new article that you've done I've seen that uh, there was a, a little bit about the first impressions and uh, you mentioned just to to be smiling be kind and uh, try and uh, listen to the other person you know rather than just uh, blab your own little story <laughs> Um, so how how is that uh, in the online world? Is it much different than the real? Because I could be uh, looking at you and smiling and I'm actually um, checking news. Yeah, that's true. And you might not know. <laughs> I think it can't be too much different on video call because you will have, like, you can see if someone's actively engaging with you and if they're having a conversation. But yeah, first impressions are so important, even on a virtual date because just from how someone t like talks to you you can you can tell if someone's not interested if they're just giving you one word answers or they're not making conversation or that you're talking but they're not actually listening to anything you're saying so your first impression you can give a lot about a person especially even in a good way like if someone's wearing a band t-shirt you get a first impression straight away oh this person's got the same taste in music as I have and you've got a talking point straight away or like you can see someone's background they might have a painting up or something and you know oh this person's got the same style as I have so it gives you a quick thing of oh yeah this me and this person are going to get on well okay and what would be the um is there in your research any part that uh, decides which uh, platform at the moment is the most appropriate one to choose um from the people i asked 61 percent of them all used video calls for their dates and then surprisingly the next most popular one was for, was 44 percent used text and then 32 percent used phone calls i see maybe to some extent this idea of phone call when you're only uh working with your voice is actually more intimate because uh, with a video call, as you said, there is this part that I can see myself, so I can sort of control myself a little bit more. Whereas with voice, maybe it isn't. Maybe we just... But that's a... And is there a... Um, do you have any answer to how... Uh, how do you call it? How efficient is that dating? Like, how many of those people actually ended up, for instance, meeting a second time? Or um, A couple like of them said, well... Some of the 23% said they'd already made plans to meet again virtually, so either set up another video call or change their style. And then 37% of them said they'd already planned to meet face to face because when I did my initial research, when all these questions were being asked, it was in the height of the lockdowns in the UK, so they weren't really preparing for being able to actually see each other. So I asked them if they would do it in the future when they can. And 37% said they had made plans that as soon as it was legal and they can, they're going to meet in person. I see. That's beautiful. And and that's um, are those people that just met on 
well, maybe that's not a part of the research, but are those people that met on the sort of apps made for dating or is it just uh, sort of DMs and uh, Facebook? Uh, it was um, uh, quite a mixture. A lot of people were single people using virtual dating as like a, an actual first date to get to know someone. And then surprisingly, a lot of couples were also using virtual dates too because they, even though they're already a couple, they can't go out and do their dates like they usually would. So they were making the most of video calls as well. I see, I see. But by, by saying uh, virtual dates, do you mean uh, virtual calls or do you mean an actual like pl- platform that has some additional um, experience to it? Um, so when I talk about virtual dating in my research, it's basically anything that uses technology in any sort of way to host a date. And it can be anything as long as the couple classes it as a date. That, that's fine for me. I see, I see. It could be really small. It could be just um sitting there texting for an hour or it could be planning and making dinner and having your dinner at the same time with candles and everything in a ball gown right opposite each other on a video call oh wow that would take two tables and two <laughs> <laughs> or may- maybe they just share that one of them is eating the first course and then the second one the second and i read about people who were like making sure they lined up their netflix at the same time so they could watch a film together and talk about it while it was happening in real time, even though they weren't together. Oh, yeah. There is this whole idea of Netflix party, isn't it, as well, that you could try and um, connect the same the same video. Um, I see. That's quite cool. And what is the, like, the main, uh, maybe, I don't know if you say it like this, uh, the main thesis of this uh, research you're making? Uh, I basically want to find out if virtual dating and traditional dating make people change what they look for so my PhD thesis is about what people look for because I look at evolutionary psychology so I look up what influences mate choice and things like that and I used to use speed dating to look and collect my data but obviously due to the pandemic speed dating is an absolute nightmare for coronavirus that would spread so fast so I'm not allowed to do anything like that so I switched all my research online and this article was just supposed to be like a a side project like a little chapter in my thesis but it ended up working out and now it's going to be its own paper okay and um, with uh, you said that what, what people are looking uh, for in like the, the let's say real um, not virtual um, dating so just a question maybe you know the answer to it we we talked about this last week um, is there uh, or isn't there this um, actually this idea that I think it's from Freud, but I'm pretty sure some some other people actually pointed that out that we're actually looking subconsciously for a, a partner that somehow reminds us or has traits uh, from our parents. In a way, I don't quite agree with some of the things that Freud says about wanting your mother and things like that, but. Um, one of the reasons I think that is true is because in evolutionary psychology, the reason we pick a partner is usually down to them having good genes. And for your parents to have produced you, they would have also had good genes for you to survive, to be able to able to produce and find your own partner. So I, I do think there is a way, but I think Freud took it a little bit too far, maybe. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> definitely. It, he's quite a controversial one. That's that's why we were so... Discussing that. And um, what about this idea of familiarity and contrast? I know that uh, 
us as humans or maybe even more so as animals, we like what's familiar and we like what's contrasting. So there's sort of two two opposites in a sense. But would you say that that's a tendency in in dating as well, that that's how we choose? Yeah, so I think familiarity is important, but then too much familiarity can also make it worse. So like children that who have been raised together, even though they're not blood related in any way at all, won't find each other attractive at all because it it feels like they are siblings even when they're not so you need to have the right balance of familiarity I think okay and what about that contrast idea like like opposites attract my opposite yeah <laughs> I'm not too sure what's that about um I'm trying to have a look at that I asked people if to like fill in personality questionnaires with my research and I'm just about to analyze and see if opposites do attract do people look for what they don't have <laughs> yeah yeah because that's that's i could see that in a sense uh, sort of you know uh, from my experience but i wouldn't say that based on that i should uh, state and maybe what's the beginning what's the end you know the egg and a chicken yeah. do we and um, then following this familiarity thing um i wanted to ask what is there a certain research do you know um, about this idea of are we predisposed to, um, for instance, be more attracted to people from the another country, or is it something we grow w- up with as we, let's say, have experiences of going abroad and seeing the unfamiliar? Um, I think we we just have predisposed ideas of what's attractive, and I don't think there's too much of like different countries I think people have their idea of what's attractive because from my research um, most of what we find attractive is an indicator that you are going to produce a good child so like women are considered attractive if they've got really healthy skin long hair good hips because that's a sign that they'll carry a child healthily men are considered attractive when they are of higher status and have more money because they'll be able to provide resources for their child and things like that I see. Wow. Okay, that's so. Is there is there no uh, specifics when it comes to? Would would you say though that you know on a on a more simple level then, basically a man is um, supposed to be uh, one that can provide with those things. So, assuming that you have one that is strong and big and one that is small and weak. That would be the strong and big in that case. Yeah, so from evolutionary psychology, it's obviously looking at ancestral times of how we evolved. Um, Obviously, back in ancestral times, a man's job would have been to protect his family from wild animals or to kill wild animals so that the family could eat. Obviously, that's not exactly needed now, but because evolution goes so so slowly, these traits are still in our brains, but they've kind of shifted. And w- would you say that this shift in, because um, as, as I understand, it still did not shift that much when it comes to women then. It's... Yeah, <laughs> no, so yeah, basically if it's all about how a female looks, if she's well enough to carry a child. So like there were studies done about when people are sick, so that people were shown pictures of healthy people and sick people, and sick people are considered less attractive because... They, they obviously have a disease, which means their genes aren't going to be good or they're going to get too sick, they, they can't have a child or 
they can't look after the family and things like that because obviously in ancestral times and even like not that long ago having like a fever or diarrhea could kill you i see Wow, that's a bit rude. <laughs> I guess we should not be leaving our bedrooms when we're ill, <laughs> which is a fun time to be talking about it, considering the whole COVID <laughs> situation. But, you know, so for the, all the listeners out there, if you've had COVID, just don't tell your potential <laughs> partner about it. <laughs> that's funny. And uh, what about this uh, idea of, um, you know, um, online dating and going back to... Um, real world dating do you expect from so far from your research or maybe just how you perceive this and that we will lean more and more onto this online because it's somehow easier because at least from from my perspective i kind of feel that it takes away the hardest part uh, which is in a natural way something that maybe we would like to exercise because it's easier yeah so I think yeah I think virtual dating is definitely going to get more popular there's so many more benefits to it than negatives I think anyway because like the safety aspect is so much higher than mating in someone in real life especially during a pandemic you can still get to know someone and date them without ever having to worry about coming into contact with them or potentially getting the virus but even when the pandemic's over like women always tend to worry about their safety a lot more than men unfortunately so it can allow women who are a bit nervous to start dating again they can feel a bit safer knowing they can date without ever having to disclose their location they don't have to say what town they're from and you can still get to know someone and then maybe when you've built up trust then you can meet someone in person first I see. That's a fair point, actually. I've not, um, you know, fr- from from the from the sp- standpoint of uh, security, that's definitely a big big plus. And what about this um, idea? Um, maybe right now we're sort of treading on on whatever subjects. But um, I was t- uh, talking, or uh, yeah, I think it was the discussion with uh, my father the other day about this. Um, maybe a problem of digitalization being that young kids and young people um, are more and more um, or maybe less and less uh, growing up in the space that allows them to learn how to behave in a social situation and uh, would you say that this online dating and let's say that you know someone in a year from now two years from now for their first date ever decides online would you say that they might be a bit more at risk of um, having to struggle in the social? Um, uh, and what would we do to um, maybe help that or prevent that? Yeah, I definitely think yeah, having a date for the first time ever online would probably affect your social skills. But that also would be a lot less nerve-wracking. So maybe it might encourage someone to go on a real date because they won't realize how scary it actually is to go and meet someone in person so it could it could work out but obviously if they keep only dating in online and just virtually then it's, it's going to impact people's social skills because they'll just be so used to staring at a screen and seeing themselves that they'll forget what it's like to have a face-to-face conversation yeah this self-consciousness is a big big thing i i know that for for instance on microsoft teams you don't have to put on the video yourself, uh, which might be useful, you know, just uh, uh, looking back from from my 
works whenever I'm working online and have to stare at myself for a prolonged time because pretty much that's what it is. Uh, it, it definitely affects the way you, you perceive this whole situation. You're, you're much more self-conscious. Okay, and what about um, if you could uh, tell me a little bit about the speed dating experience? Um, I know that right now this is not, you know, maybe on time, but I remember <laughs> you've organized some in our union as well. How did that go and what, you know, what are the highlights? Well, I only managed to do a couple. I think my last one was Valentine's Day, so the February just before COVID hit. So I think I never, I didn't really get to do much with the data because I only had a couple of people, but I had a lot wider age range than I had from my undergraduate dissertation because last time I just had students and then I managed to get actual locals to get involved so I'm hoping fingers crossed I can go back to that because I just love the speed dating and it was set up like a real speed dating event even though I was gathering data I did actually send out people's matches so if they did want to see someone again they could that's really cool and how how did that work um how did you work around uh, matching people if you said that there is not many there was not many people did was it just that everyone meets with everyone oh yeah so um like to analyze the data statistically i didn't have enough people yet so i haven't done any scientific analysis i just looked at the raw data but uh, i tried to get even numbers of males and females and there was always about one or two matches per event i think that's that's yeah that's you know uh, you kill two birds with one stone you just got yourself some uh some data and at the same time someone's actually getting to to go for a date it was a nightmare for that's ethics cool. though it took me a year to get ethics cleared for that one what to actually to actually yeah. run it like to get it at, oh i see well especially do you mean by uh from yeah. the university standpoint oh, i see yeah i see yeah, and definitely a lot of GDPR to, to take into account there. Yeah, and it, it wasn't wow. on campus, so I had to fill out about five risk assessments to make it <laughs> make it okay. And um, how about, uh, if you could just tell me a little bit about uh, the um, evolutionary psychology you said. I wonder, this is something that maybe just, just myself, I, um, I keep thinking again and again. Uh, Nietzsche said that uh, the world... Uh, the world goes and um, as as humans we stand in the same place that we're sort of um, he pointed out a way back but I, I think it's quite true even more so now that uh, you know with all this digitalization and stuff with all this online dating we're still the same people pretty much that were running around you know 10,000 uh, years ago so how, how does that um, match this and is there anything that we should be working towards or working away from yeah we from like an evolutionary standpoint we're not that much different from our ancestors really we kind of look for the same things it's just kind of they look a little bit different now like if you think about when humans eat sugar we obviously evolved to like sugar because it's high in calories because back in ancestral times we got a lot less food than we do now but now that we live in the modern world, we have shops where you can get food instantly. You can have absolutely anything straight away. You don't have to run into anywhere and find a wild animal to kill and then cook yourself. Yeah, so with, with that and uh, this te technological advancement, is there um, maybe 
some sort of, uh, I don't know, maybe on, on one of your lectures, is there some sort of message on what may, <laughs> maybe some lessons that we should start taking up when it comes to dealing with digital or like when it comes to dealing with this abundance because it's pretty much we have everything on demand but I think we're sometimes putting a bit too much on our plate because we can yeah I think since the pandemic as well I think that's changed people's views of technology a lot of people I've seen have made an effort to get off their laptops and get off their phones when they're not and they don't have to if it's not for work or if it's not for uni a lot of people have seen how much they miss going outside how much they miss seeing people in real life I think it took not being able to go and see people when you want to realise how important it, it actually is to see people face to face and not just texting. Yeah, isn't it that, you know, grass is always greener on the other side? And um, about phones, I think that's quite an interesting uh, point considering there is, you know, we all have phones right now. I, I think even people that are like 12, 11, whatever, um parents tend to say that oh yeah well it's for my kids safety but then okay um it's for the kids safety but then everyone has a phone and everyone is on it about phones on dates so this is this is a big problem isn't it what would you say would you say turn off the phone when you go on a date or at least mute it put it in the backpack or yeah something? i'd definitely say on silent and out of the way maybe don't be on it because sometimes, a lot of time when I'm having a conversation, I'll talk about something. And if I have a photo or something, I like to show the other person what I mean. So sometimes having your phone out can be handy because you can paint a picture to someone else and you can have a really good conversation. But just to sit there scrolling while your date's trying to talk to you, it's a big red flag. <laughs> I see. And, and what about this idea of keeping the phone maybe uh, not on the table? I've, uh, I've read somewhere that... Uh, just the the presence of the phone on the table is already uh, sort of like someone sits by us as we're talking. Like they can be silent, but you're aware. Yeah, especially if um, your phone's buzzing and you can't keep on glancing at it. If you've got messages coming through, it can be really distracting for both of you trying to talk. Yeah, definitely. Maybe don't go with two phones <laughs> on a date. That's like, why is the trouble? Yeah, that's funny. And um yeah, like, is there is there anything that um, from from uh, the feedback maybe from the speed dating or from the feedback from the online dates, is there anything in particular that people seem to say that worked really well or didn't work at all? Like, are there some? If you could just give us a few really red <laughs> flags and really green flags when it comes to um, human interactions, especially at this. everyone is actually really different so what some people would be put off by other another person would love so it's really hard to tell someone what they shouldn't shouldn't do I think the only thing they should do is just actually just be themselves because you'll find that the correct person I know how cheesy that sounds but someone was talking about I can't remember something like ghosts or something spooky one date would find that horrendous and don't want to talk about spooky things and then you go to the next person and then they're and they love it so I think be yourself but be attentive and because a lot of people were saying they didn't like that someone was like not paying attention to them like they were not asking questions that was a big one but yeah don't I say don't hide anything if you've got some weird obsession or you have a strange love for something 
don't hide that because who knows what people will love that's what I was uh, mentioning in my first impression thing is don't judge someone too quickly because you don't know what you might miss I see yeah that's a that's a funny thing isn't it that you like sort of being courageous maybe that's the wrong word but being um like brave enough to to state your biggest craziness it might actually be the thing that makes the date uh, rather than just be this plain you know talking about the weather kind of person okay so you know wrapping this up i i would like to invite you to maybe think for a second and give us this is just a theme that arrived uh, last week um what would be the the sentence uh, or the you know the question that you would like to be asked in an ideal situation apart from your name of, of course or you would like to ask someone to start a conversation with Ooh. as in like an icebreaker like to get to know someone that kind of question yeah so uh, I, i'll give you my example for for example i find that um well it would be a great plus if someone that I meet for the first time would un- would ask that question to me, I would find it really amusing. But at the same time, I've tried it a few times and it was quite interesting. Some people say that it's a bit too deep, but what I like to ask is what makes you get up out of bed in the morning? Ooh, you yeah, know? that's a good one. Well, the first one that came to my head, should I just go with that one? It was, yeah. um, I heard it on another podcast, actually, a really good one. Um, she asked her like interviewees, if they were breakfast food, what would they be? And I just loved that. <laughs> what can I can I ask then? What would what would I think I would be cereal because I kind of have that every day. I'm just plain and simple, and you can mix it up every now and then. <laughs> I see, yeah, and with with what kind of milk? Definitely is that? oat milk. <laughs> I see, that's beautiful. I just I just bought two two oat milks today. Well, I was bought too much oat milk because i cannot still go out the house but yeah this is this is a really funny uh, question actually i think it can be a good icebreaker and uh, this is what we do for instance at the union you know you you're being asked the first first question is what kind of biscuit would you be if you were to choose one um but i think that comes to the last point of your article actually that we should as well try to be a bit funny yeah like the, the the being on on a good sense on good sense of humor definitely gives a little bit to to the whole vibe yeah a lot of my research is about humor it's so important and people always overlook it and think it's a little part but it's actually one of the most important parts about dating well just then then let's let's follow <laughs> it up what, what do you mean by it's so important is there like a, a certain statistic that uh, uh or, or satisfaction rate of someone who actually manages to tell a joke yeah the... so from because i what like humor is definitely one of the special areas i look at so i mostly look at dating and then humor and then i kind of merge them together so humor like in a quick way is just a really quick way to show someone how intelligent you are what like opinions you hold and just all about you in one quick way so you could tell someone like a dad joke or you could tell someone quite an offensive joke and that shows that person your kind of opinion and your standpoint in the world. Maybe to some extent as well, this is one of the m- m- most important parts of, of the interaction because 
as well if you think about it i you know i <laughs> i've not lived lived with someone my whole life but i can imagine that if you're if you're supposed to live with someone for the whole life you should probably have some some sort of similar sense of humor at least you know appreciate the jokes yeah and i was reading that. some research about do we find attractive people funny or are they funny because we find them attractive so it's which way around does it go and uh, is there is there an answer i, I think it depends because from what my research women tend to look for humor a lot more than men men prioritize the way a woman looks over everything else and then women don't do that as much but humor is like a big one. Oh wow well then big shout out to all the women out there that respect a bit of humor not just look for the cover that's cool um that's great that's amazing well thank you thank you very much for joining and uh, is there anything in particular you would like to share with our listeners before we depart? Uh, i'm not too sure just thank you for having me and everyone should check out evolution psychology because no one knows what it is but you'll love it once you learn it <laughs> yeah i think uh, if we we might not know what it is but it's definitely in us and uh, yeah <laughs> know thyself it's stuff that you do and stuff that you already know you just didn't know it had a name that's what i found when i'm reading anyway <laughs> thank you very much for joining us um have a lovely night and uh, we'll see you next thank you week. and you <laughs>